Thank you for listening to Fearless LA. We believe that where love is greater, fear is less. Tune in today to hear a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Jeremy Johnson. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12. Thank you, Ben. Verse number one. We're going to start there, and I'm going to move slowly through this so I don't lose my voice halfway through. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number one. Uh, if you have a Bible, you can look at your screen on your Bible or your real Bible. Your, I don't know if that's a real Bible. Stone tablets were the real Bible, but this leather one, if you have one of those, or we have it on the screen for you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number one says this, therefore, now you just got done listing out all the heroes of faith. You just got done listing out, I don't even have time to tell you, he's talking to us, about all the people who have, have come before you. He, he starts listing them off and he's just like, forget it, I don't even have time to tell you. And then at the end of it, he says, therefore, because of this, we also, somebody say we also. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, you're included in this. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. He just laid out all the witnesses. I mean, he went through Samson and David and, and all the heroes of faith and Abraham and some who were sawn in two for their faith. Can you imagine that? I mean, saying, I love Jesus, and someone's like, I'm going to saw you in two. Do you still love Jesus? They were, they were, they were fed to lions. They, they sowed Christians into animals and then they would send lions into the arena to, to chase the animals and the Christians. They would put them on uh, crosses in, in, in the garden of certain emperors and they would burn them alive. The, these are the heroes of faith. These are heaven's heroes. Come on, somebody say heaven's heroes. He said, since we are surrounded by these guys, such a great cloud. Great is an understatement just for these guys. To, to title these guys as great to me is an understatement. Like, he said, that guy's a great Christian. I mean, these guys are, I mean, they blow your mind. Such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight. Look, look, he's trying to tell you, look, dude, your thing is not that big of a thing. <laughs> Like, have you ever thought of this? Like, my thing that's really holding me up, that I'm really stuck on, that I really can't just get around. I wish it was this way. I don't know if I like the sound of the music. I'm not really sure if God's got, I, I'm stuck on this theological debate. God is saying, look, lay, lay aside your weight. It's not that big of a deal in comparison. Look, you have to compare things to understand which things to hold on to and which things to let go of. He's saying in, with the weight of what is riding on you stepping into the race that you're called to race. You know, I, I had to make a decision when I went into this sabbatical. Am I going to be willing to trust God with this? Am I going to be willing to trust God with this weight? Because I've worked hard to do what we do here. I've, I've, you know, and I wish I could say I just sat in a room and prayed and then, and then just everything happened. But we have worked our faces off with God. We have given everything. We have sowed everything. We're some of the biggest givers in this church. And we're definitely not the richest. But we have given and given and given. And God goes, hey, can you lay down your weight for a second? Many times we think weights are sin. But, but he's about to tell us that uh, lay aside your weights. Then he says, and the sin that so easily ensnares us. 
So, so some weights that we carry might be good weights. They might, they might be uh, seasonal weights. They might be things, hey, you're supposed to do this for a moment, but, but that's not, don't carry that all your life. And some of us are running this race with all these weights all over us. And God is saying, look, the goal is to win the race, not to get there with all the weights. <laughs> some of us are carrying so much stuff, we're like, I got to win with all this. No, no. Naked I came into this world. Naked I'm going to leave. Look, I'm not worried about all this stuff. I'm not worried about all these weights. Like, look, the race is bigger than the weights you want to get to the finish line. Look, this race is so, so hard that, that it's going to take everything in you. Meaning you're going to have to leave a lot of stuff behind to press in to what God has fully called you to. If anything, I've learned the further I go into this thing, the more stuff I got to lay behind. Some stuff I could carry at the bottom of the mountain, but as I get to this steeper place, I'm like, okay, these, these are just extras. I don't need this. I didn't really need this. I don't need all this stuff. Look at the heroes of faith. Look at Paul, dude. I don't even know if he had a house. He just couched. He, he just couch slept. Uh, you know, he's sleeping in people's couches in their upper room. He's sleeping in the, the, the lower realms of a, a ship. I mean, some of the things that we are so caught up in, God is saying there, I know that's exciting. So look, God's not saying that's not exciting. But what he is saying is there is something more exciting that if you could see it, you would let go of this way to, to capture it. Amen? And he says, and the sin that so easily ensnares us. And I love that he puts it that way because my whole life I've seen it as my sin that ensnares me but I've never met an animal that set a snare for himself like a snare is is, is an animal term it's how they hunt uh, for for big game there's never been a bear in the in, in the forest that went out set a snare and then was like okay I don't want to walk in that this is kind of how we see like the sin that so easily entangles or ensnares us no no so when I read this it popped out at me and I said oh my gosh that are the sins of others that have been done against me that have been set up for me to walk into or step into you, you can read however you want but that's what jumped out to me maybe you're in this room and you've been molested maybe you've been abused maybe you haven't been loved like a father would truly love you maybe your dad wasn't perfect maybe Maybe your family's been hurt by the church or hurt by Christians or hurt by leaders. And did you know you can be ensnared by others' offense? Other people that are carrying some hurt or some wound. I've met so many people and they're not offended, but they're offended for somebody else. It's because they're a fighter, which is not a bad thing, but the enemy will use your gifts against you. They're trying to fight for the misfit. Because ultimately, they don't see that God will take care of them just like he's going to take care of you. Lay aside the weights and the, the snares and the sin that so easily ensnares and let us run. Somebody touch your neighbor and say, run, baby, run. Let us run. But don't just run crazy. Run with endurance. The race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the author and the and the. And I just hear, I hear Mortal Kombat every time I see that. I, finish him. <laughs> finish him, Raiden. I don't, I don't know. If you haven't seen that, you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. I'm a geek. The author and the finisher of our faith.
who the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God, throne of God. He says, for him, consider whom who endured such hostility for sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. He said, if you're discouraged in your soul, just look at what Jesus went through and you're going to be okay. <laughs> you're like, oh, I can't handle it. Oh, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I mean, that was, that's intense. If he got through that, for me, I can make it, I can make it through not having enough money to figure it out for one day. I, I, I can make it through some people hating on me. I, I can make it through some people not agreeing with me. I, I can make it through not everything being perfect in my world. You know what? If Jesus got through that, oh, I'm good, baby. I'm good. You, you did it all. Oh, I'm good. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm good. Jesus finished it, baby. He wasn't a starter. He was a finisher. Mm. It was the sixth thing he said on the cross, which we're going to celebrate next week. Not just the cross, but we're going to celebrate the greater words that were said about him. He, has, he is risen. We're going to celebrate that he rose from the dead. Jesus is not dead. He is alive. See, this church, we enjoy the cross because it got us through our sin and shame. It was the exchange. We're in the exchange. It was the exchange for us, our name for his. But, it, but it's not the cross we celebrate. It's the empty tomb, man. I, I want to get an empty tomb necklace and just wear it around and let people know my God is not dead. He's alive. He's not a statue. He's alive and well. He's being worshiped in heaven right now, and he's coming back. Going to split the sky. But the sixth thing Jesus said on the cross is, it is finished. It was right after the fifth thing he said is, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? He felt every pain. He felt even the rejection from his father on that cross. If you've been rejected by a father figure, Jesus knows what you're going through. Because he carried the sin and the weight of the world. And his father God turned his head when Jesus died. And he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? But the next thing he said is, it is finished, which means fully paid. Debt paid, canceled. Jesus was saying on the cross, and this whole series is about the thought that Jesus paid the bill. So why are we still trying to pay it? <laughs> why are we still trying to earn it? When Jesus said, no, 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 don't work for my love. You already have it. The check's already been cashed. You're okay. It is finished, paid in full. But this week, really, we're not, we're not to the cross yet. We're not to Easter yet. We're really, today is Palm Sunday. Somebody say Palm Sunday. Amen. Palm Sunday is found in chapter, uh, Mark chapter 11, verse number 1. And I'm going to read that for you, and then we'll, we'll dissect it, and then we'll be done, and we'll party. Amen. Mark chapter 11, verse 1 says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, somebody say Bethpage, and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent his two disciples, two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If no one... If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell them, hmm, the Lord needs it. And we'll send it back shortly. Then they found a colt outside in the street, tied in a doorway. And they untied it. And some people stand there asked, what are you doing untying this colt? 
they answered as Jesus had told them, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and they threw their cloaks on it, he sat on it. And many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Underline that. Circle it. Highlight it. Mark it in your brain. Two different people. One were spreading cloaks. One were putting branches out. The whole Palm Sunday, we see the, the, the image of the branch, the palm branch. Uh, th- their cloaks were there. Their branches were there. Those who went ahead, uh, those followed, shouting, Hosanna, which means save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple and looked around at everything. But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Verse 12. The next day they were leaving Bethany and Jesus was hungry. Somebody say he was hungry. He was angry. See, you're about to find out he was hangry. He wasn't just hungry, he was hangry. Uh, Seeing at a distance a, a fig tree. In leaf. Somebody say, in leaf. Now, just so you know, the palm branch is, is the same leaf. The palm branch is actually what, what the, the fig tree is the same tree. So he sees this palm tree uh, out there with, with figs, and it says he sees it in a distance, and he went to find out if it had any fruit on it. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree... I'm telling you, he was hangry. May no one ever eat fruit from you again. (laughs) And the disciples heard him say it. The end. This is my story that I want to talk to you about today. You may wonder why I read two stories in one, because the fig tree uh, we talk about, and then we talk about the the Palm Sunday, but I want to tell you they actually are the same story. They're a part of a monologue that was going on. Uh, because the word Bethpage uh, that, we, that we underlined earlier, that the place where Jesus is at, uh, he's reached this place. He's, you know, fulfilled over 400, almost 400 at this point, uh, prophecies that were spoken about him from the Old Testament, from people that would just be praying, and all of a sudden God would say, boom, write this down. And they would write down something radical about a, a Messiah that was coming. They were prophesying. It was almost like God would jump in them, and, and at a, a moment they would just speak something out loud, and it would be heard, or it would be written down to prove that they had heard it. And it was God really reminding the people that I haven't forgotten what I promised in the garden. I haven't forgotten what the enemy did to my creation, my Eden, when, when he, he stole from me the one thing that I valued most, relationship with man and woman. And when he did that, I reminded him that I, I got a promise for you, uh, devil. My promise is that, that one day, because you've taken this from the seed of man, through the seed of man, I'm going to take you out. And you're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. And the whole time, Satan's been looking for this this one to come through the door from heaven. And he would see different ones come that were anointed, but, but then he would take them out. Samson comes, and he takes them out. Another one bites the dust. David comes, and he takes them out with Bathsheba. No, no. Another one bites the dust. No, no. He, he, hasn't, he hasn't solved the 400 miracles or the 400 prophecies. So God would just jump into men and women of God and go, hey, he's going to be born in this town. <laughs> And then it would jump into this prophet and say, hey, he's going to be crucified like this. The, the time when he jumped in a prophet to, to speak about crucifixion, crucifixion hadn't even been invented yet. It was a thousand years off. But in Psalms, it talks about how Jesus would die. 
So it was almost like God couldn't hold it back. He just kept going, hey, I'll just give you a little secret. Give you a little, give you a little secret over here. It's still coming. Don't worry. Uh, spoiler alert. Here he comes. He's going he's gonna to happen like this. You would have thought that the devil would have read the word. And I believe he was trying to read the word, but he gets everything so dyslexic. He doesn't know what it says. He's trying to figure it out. And every, every hero that would come along, he would try to figure it out. I mean, de- even the enemy was trying to figure out if Jesus was the Messiah. You look at, take him to the garden, and, and the devil's tempting Jesus. Hey, if, if, if you're Jesus, if you're the Messiah, uh, why don't you throw yourself down here from here, and angels, will, they're supposed to come and save you. I, I, he's trying to see who he is, because at this point, Jesus has not yet revealed, hey, it's me. In fact, the only person that, that really blurted it out was Peter. He goes, you are the Christ. And Jesus kind of looks at him and says, hey, who told you that? You didn't hear that. For, shut your mouth. Stop saying stuff like that. But let me tell you a few things. Yeah. You're going to get some keys. It's going to be awesome, but don't tell anyone else. Okay. I mean, many times when Jesus would heal people, he'd say, hey, don't tell anyone. Just go on your way. Because <laughs> he, he was actually trying, he was an undercover brother. You understand what I'm saying? He, 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 was, in underco- he was undercover, he's incognito, because he was about to perform the biggest prison break that ever existed. He's about to snatch the keys from the jailer. You understand what I'm saying? You see, if the devil really knew that Jesus was Jesus, he wouldn't have killed him. Because death is not a good weapon for the author of life. It's just not. It's just like, oh, I, oh, thank you for killing me, but I, I author. Death is not a, trying to kill, you know what I'm saying, trying to kill Wolverine. Let me put it in modern nature. Trying to kill Wolverine with a knife does not work. Trying to kill life with death is not a good idea. So, therefore, he had no clue who he was, and neither did these people. But they thought maybe this is him. So they, 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 because there's a prophecy, Zechariah, where it says that Jesus will come riding on a colt. And here he is in this place. And, and Bethpage meant house of unripe figs. You ever eaten a fruit that's not ripe? It's not a good idea. Nasty. You should have waited. Why? Because the fruit didn't allow the time that was needed to be built in it to bring it to maturity. You wanted it too soon. The, the place he showed up was the house of unripe fruit. See, see Jesus was king, but he wasn't going to rule the way they wanted him to rule. See, they thought he was going to come and just take over the government, get them out. They were saying, save us when? Now. Save us now. Get us out of here now. But Jesus had a different plan that he would use them to change the rest of the world. And then he comes to the fig tree and the fig tree has a leaf. So he goes over to it because, here's why he goes over to it, because the fig tree, unlike any other tree, produces fruit, then it produces leaves. So if it had a leaf, it should have a fruit. Even though it's out of season, if it's, if it's rolling like this, there's got to be something. So Jesus comes to the tree hungry, but he's disappointed because it looks one way, but there's nothing of substance in it. So when I read that, I realized that the fig tree was just a, a, a foreshadowing of these people. Because they looked right. They worshipped right. You notice there were two groups of people. There were ones that laid, laid their coats down. He is, the Bible says that he's in between Bethpage and Bethany. You know what Bethany means? House of ripe fruit. So he's, he's with two different crowds. And the Bible says there were two different people. When the, when, the, when the donkey came through, one group lays their coats on the road, and the other one lays the palm branches on the road. The palm branches with no fruit. One group laid everything on the road. 
They, their coat represented everything they are. If they were a metalsmith, they had a certain coat. If they were a beggar, they had a certain When you put your coat, it was you put your mantle, your call, your everything. When they laid it down, they said, look, I'm laying this down so Jesus can walk through on something clean. And, and one laid down, one day laid down something that looked nice, but it had no power. When Jesus cursed the fig tree, he was trying to let the people know, hey, that's what your life's going to look like if you have the look of holiness and righteousness, but, but you do not have me in relationship and the fruit in your life. So Jesus shows up and they're worshiping. The first thing he does is he sends two disciples out uh, to, to the, uh, sorry, it's been 45 days. I'm getting ahead of myself in the story. Let me rewind. Before they start worshiping, before the whole road, Jesus sends two disciples out, almost like Yoda. I mean, he's like, like Rogue One. He's just like, you're going to go to this town, and there's going to be a donkey, a colt. It's going to be tied. There's not going to be anyone there. I want you to get it. It's been set up for me. And if anyone asks you, you tell them, the Lord needs it. He doesn't say anything else. And, I, and the disciples, they just get up and I mean, this blows my mind, but, but it doesn't blow my mind when I put it in context because they just saw Lazarus get up from the dead. So they're like, oh, we don't, we, it doesn't matter our thinking. We, we, we don't even argue with you on this one. I mean, can you imagine this? I look at Brandon and Israel and I say, hey guys, there's a Toyota Prius three blocks that way. There's going to be no one there. Keys in it. I need you to go get it, bring it to me. If cops try to stop you, tell them PJ needs it. You'll be okay. I mean, that's this. And then they don't ask me any questions. They don't like have 22, like, are you sure? Like, uh, have you really calculated this? I mean, I, yeah, I mean, we've seen a lot of great things, but a, a Prius down there, I mean, it just seems weird. Uh, you seem like if you were, if you were God, Jesus, uh, you should probably plan this out a little better that it's already here. Uh, maybe get an Uber kind of, kind of situation going on, but th th it's, it's far away and we got to, Jesus said, no, go do it. So they, they just leave and they show up and they find this cult and the bible says that it's tied in a doorway and when i read this it really stood out and, and when i read the bible i always ask god like okay tell me about what's happening but then i, I always want to know what are you trying to say to me so the only way to know that is like who am i in the story put put me in someone's shoes and then i want to look around and i want to see what it feels like smells like tastes like to be that person because you're going to teach me something from that if you've never done it, it's the funnest thing in the world. I mean, I, I may just be a, a kid at heart, but I, that's how I read the Bible. Sometimes I'm David killing a giant, and then sometimes I'm the army of God shaking. Going, God, I got to get this fear out of my heart. But in this story, God, God spoke to me one day, and he said, you're the donkey. I was like, well, that's funny. I've never been a donkey. So I started reading about the donkey. I was trying to put myself in the... What does it feel like to be this donkey? The Bible said that he was tied in a doorway. He was tied. They found him tied. And when I, when I studied this out, the doorway wasn't like in a house. It was just in the middle of the road. He was tied in the middle of the road in a doorway in preparation for greatness. In preparation to be chosen to be the only donkey that the Messiah of the world, well, let's say the universe, 
would ride into town on his triumphal entry that we would celebrate over 2,000 years later. From this donkey, he was tied in a doorway. I started thinking, what is a doorway? You know, a doorway, a doorway's not there. It's not here. It, it, a doorway really is nowhere. No one ever says, I'm, I'm just in the doorway. You, you, you only use doorways for moments to step into a room or to step out of a room. I started feeling, because God said, you're the donkey. And I started thinking, man, God, I've been in so many doorways. I've been tied in so many doorways. Have you ever been tied in a doorway? Have you ever been not there, but not there? You know what's crazy? The donkey had no clue there was a prophecy about his life over 500 years before he was ever born. The donkey had no clue that this was a setup to be used in the greatest way any donkey has ever been used. The donkey... I mean, even to the day the disciples arrived, could have been possibly thinking, I'm just a worthless, no good, I don't even have a purpose to move forward. I'm just, I don't even know who left me here anymore. I don't even know who tied me here. But my owner must have thought I was so useless that my only lot in life would be to be tied, not there, not here, but in the middle of nowhere with nothing to do with no hope of when he was going to return. Have you ever felt like the donkey? You know, some of us want to be untied so bad to move into what's next so bad that we'll accept the, the untying from anybody. Hey, I don't really care where you take me. Just get me out of here. Have you ever not wanted to be in the doorway? Have you ever been frustrated in the doorway? But I've, I've found that there's, there's an anatomy in the doorway. There's something that the doorway does that the room cannot do. There's something that the doorway does that a shut door or an open door cannot provide. There's something about being trapped in the doorway that actually births what I need to step into the next season because it was in the doorway that the donkey grew into what he was called and prepared can you imagine if he was taken out of the doorway one day too soon? Two weeks too soon? Maybe he wouldn't have been able to handle the weight of the call that was coming to him. But he was prepared at the right time. And I love that it says it was a young donkey. Sometimes it's okay if old people are stuck in the door. But we don't want to be young and stuck in the doorway. We don't want to be young and held back. Man, I just want to live. I just want to move on. I just want to get out of here. Oh, I hate doorways, but I've found that most of my life is in the doorway. I've lived most of my life, not here or there. I've lived most of it in the doorway, in the waiting. Can I tell you something? God of the room is the God of the waiting. He's the God of the doorway. He's the God of, he's the God of everywhere I go. He's with me everywhere I am. He's with me when I'm in the middle of nowhere. He's with me when I can see the dream. I can see the miracle. I can see what I want to see. But I can't get there yet because I've been tied. See, God told me, he said, Jeremy, you're the donkey because I sent people into your life to untie you. He said, you thought they were just that good. You thought you earned it. 
He said, but I sent the disciples. I sent them in twos on your life. He said, you just look back. He said, so many moments. I've sent great men or, or women into your life to just loosen the knot one more time. You see, the disciples showed up that day, and the donkey had no clue where he was going. He still didn't know that he had a great miracle waiting his arrival. He just let the disciples untie him. See, see sometimes you got to wait for something good to come, but when it comes, don't bite the hand that's trying to untie you. See, many people don't want to grow. They don't want to. Look, sometimes we get so used to this doorway, we've made like a home here. I'll just live right here. This is like living in L.A. It's like loft living. It's really small. I guess this is what I got. And God's like, no, that wasn't your home. The waiting wasn't your home. You may be there again, but will you trust me? I'm growing you. I'm maturing you. The anatomy of the waiting is growing you. It's maturing you. It's preparing you. Some of you are frustrated being single. We see it far off on The Bachelor, episode three. <laughs> right? Who doesn't want out of this singleness and into the destiny God has for us? But God is maturing you in the doorway. The Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing, not a girl. God is maturing the men in this room to become men of God. Maturity is not an age, it's an inside job. You're like, I'm older. No, no, God wasn't asking you if you're older. He's asking, are you mature and ready to handle? Because on the other side of this door, there's a family. There's, there's, there's world. Look, there's the church being revealed through your marriage to your wife or your husband. I want to reveal love through that. I want to reveal a home where people could come into. I want to do, so I need to mature you on the inside. See, many of us are just working on the outside, which is good. Please believe me, that's awesome. But, but what if you start working on the inside? What if you start saying, God, you know what? Whatever, I'm here for a reason. So while I'm here, God, mature me. Do what you got to do in the meantime I'm gonna worship you even though I'm not there I'm not here thank God I'm not there I am on my way into my destiny because you are the author and the finisher you have a plan for me even if I don't know it say what are you doing here then pastor you know what I'm doing I'm the disciple Jesus sent today to untie some donkeys from from the doorpost I came here today to just untie a few people from where you've been stuck at for a long time and say look come on baby this is your year to go to another level I know you got used to living there but we're going further God has a plan for you he has a call for you he has a destiny for you But you got to believe it to be untied. The donkey could have fought them. And notice as soon as, as soon as they go to untie the donkey, it's not the owner of the donkey that shows up. It's, the Bible says it's a bystander. Just some guy. It's like, hey, that's not your donkey. Whenever, whenever someone's being untied, there will always be a bystander that wants to put them back in their place. There will always be someone's trying to shut down the move of God. And if you listen to the bystander, you may stay inside the doorpost for the rest of your life. You know, you know what's crazy? Many of us are waiting for God to come untie us. But God doesn't work that way. He sends a man. Notice that Jesus didn't go down and get the donkey. He sent two men down. How crazy is it that it's probably a man that tied us up 
or a woman that tied us up or pain from a relationship that tie us up and God sends a relationship to untie us he sends a man to untie us look can I tell you this you got to open your heart again you got to say God I've been hurt by men and women but God you're going to use men and women to untie me to walk into my destiny look I've had to make this choice I've been hurt by fathers I've been hurt by sons but that doesn't mean I'm going to die in the doorway. I've had fathers tie me up in the doorway. I've had sons tie me up in the doorway. But I got to open my heart again. Say, God, my call is to untie more sons. I don't care if the last five bit me. I'm going to untie more sons. Why? Because this is my call from my father to untie. You gotta let fathers untie you again. You gotta let mentors untie you again. You gotta let people into your real life. Please don't be the palm branch with no fruit. The fruit comes from the affliction. What I didn't tell you that Bethany means as well is great affliction. It's where Lazarus died, but it's also where Lazarus was resurrected. Where there is great affliction, there will be great fruit produced in your life. Can I tell you this? I know you've been hurt. I know you've been wounded. I know you've been talked bad about. But God wants to lead you somewhere that you were destined for from the moment time began. Lay aside all the weights, the sins that so easily ensnare us. And let's move on into the upward call of Jesus for the author and finisher of our faith. You see, Jesus' doorway was the cross. He tells us this. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross, take up his in-between, take up his waiting, and trust me in the waiting. For if you try to hold on to your life and get what you want, you'll lose it. Don't get, you'll lose your potential if you just move on. Because it's in the waiting that I'm preparing you for something great. If you trust me, if you give me your life, I'll give it back to you. You see, this is how I want us to live our life. God, we trust you. We trust you. We honor you. What if you could worship in the waiting? What if you could dance in the waiting? What if you knew he's coming for you? He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't forsaken you. He's got your head. And the last thing the disciples did when they brought the donkey to Jesus is they put their cloaks on the donkey, their mantle, their anointing. What God had given them, they put on the donkey. They put it on the donkey and Jesus got on the donkey and rode into town. The mantle is not for the donkey, it's for Jesus to come into the city. Many people want you to pray over them and give me a double portion. What was happening is the disciples were taking everywhere they had been and they were putting it on someone who hadn't been there and giving them the power to step into their next destiny. Do you know this is what Jesus did on the cross? He took all our pain, all our shame. He wore it upon himself and he took all of it 
And he said, devil, you're not going to put this on them anymore, but I'm going to robe them with the cloak of righteousness. You know what we want to do at Fearless? We want to put our mantle on you. We want to put what God has done in our life, the places, the things we've seen, the miracles we've seen, and we want to put it on a generation and say, you know what? It's not about me. It's not about what I can do. It's about Jesus getting into the city. And he's looking for a young colt. He's looking for someone that's ready to wreck this place in a good way. You know what my prayer is? Is that you go into your workplace with the mantle of grace. You go into your house with the mantle of healing. You go into your school with the mantle of grace where you see a school turned upside down for Jesus. See, you are the modern day revolutionaries. You are the revivalists that God has sent to this city to bring himself. You say, well, is it about me? No, it's not about you. Because it wasn't about the donkey. It's about Jesus getting to the people. About Jesus going to the village. This is what we believe for this year. Would you stand to your feet all over this room? Thank you for listening. If you have something that you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. Visit fearlessla.com slash fearless TV to fill out a prayer request or find more information about Fearless Church.